Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the podcast this week by none other than our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hi, Dom. What a build-up. How was that? I swapped it up on you. <laughs> I know. You did swap it up on me. It was very entertaining. <laughs> Thank you. Corinne, this week, I want to talk to you because, you know, often on the podcast and, and in general in our work, you know, we talk about the importance of the CEO in mm. culture work in particular, you know, and it's really undeniable. But I guess what's interesting about that is it's not just about the CEO. It's about the leadership team, you know, the executive team in general. And it's not just about what the CEO says, but the ways they enact it, the things they do. So I wonder what's your take on that? You know, what's your views? Yeah. So the way I'll begin to answer that, Dom, is to say that over the, you know, past 15 years or so that I've been working with um, organisations and CEOs in particular, I've asked them, especially the ones where I've worked with them to document case study or we've, you, we've written about them or we've done some research, uh. I always ask them the same question and they always give me exactly the same answer. Yeah, right. The question okay. is this, what would you have done differently? Uh. And without a change, without there's no difference at all, the answer is always I would have managed people out who did not align with our program or who did not align with our values. So I would have managed particularly senior people out earlier, would have called it earlier, and I would have taken steps earlier because the longer leaders who do not align with the values, do not align with constructive behavior, stay in the business and they're seen not to align with it, their behavior is not congruent, it really undermines the credibility of both the CEO, the leadership team, and the cultural endeavours. You know, that's kind of, I guess, actually, it's, it's interesting that because it's kind of complicated. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like at one level, it's like that's kind of just true of culture in general. Like if people yeah. are acting at a cross purposes to the kind of culture we're trying to build, then that's not acceptable, you know, and it's that whole kind of standard you walk past is the standard exactly. you accept kind that's of exactly stuff, right. isn't it? Yeah. But on the other hand, why I guess I'm conflicted is like, you know, I'm a huge believer, obviously, in what we do, which is help people to learn, grow, and develop. Ooh, so, like, yeah. is it a mixed message? Yeah. Well, like, yeah. You like, I, I guess I'm just thinking, like, well, we want to give people a chance to learn, grow, and develop, and yeah. and get on board, you know. Yeah. So, like, where's the where's the balance, or you know, where's the line? Yeah. Look, I think in these situations, none of us are advocating that it's one strike and you're out. Okay, so you're not allowed to, you know, that you make one mistake or you say one wrong thing and then you you managed out. That isn't this case. In this case, most of the CEOs were talking about senior leaders, executive leaders in some instances, or senior leaders or high-performing individual contributors mm. who had where the expectations had been made clear, mm. where the why had been explained, where they'd been given the opportunity to for both training and coaching and support. And even after all of that, their behaviours deliberately didn't align or they, you know, deliberately kind of white-anted 
and undermined the work. So it's in those cases. And so in those cases, what the majority of the leaders were saying is I left it too long. Mm. Okay, so I actually had evidence. I knew. That this wasn't working at six months after the first conversation. Mm. But I really didn't start managing it until nine to 12 months. Mm. Okay, Mm. So it was a question of how early do you call it because all those steps, that kind of belief that people can change and if they're given the right support and the development that, you know, you're giving them the best chance to choose to be part of this culture, these values with this organisation going in this way. So all those steps had been taken and still the individuals were just much more wedded in most cases to individual, their individual success. And really most often it would be around individual success. So they delivered great results, but there was often collateral damage along the way. So they delivered great results at great cost to others. Right. And so, you know, what's our commitment to the organization? Are we prepared to, you know, take a step back in this space so actually the organization can get the best result? Yeah. No, not really. No. <laughs> right, no backward steps. And it's kind of interesting to me because I think that it's not until a CEO is faced with that dilemma that this choice point culture gets real. Yes. You know, so this is when you talk about culture and it, you know, recently, Dom, I've had a lot of clients say to me, we know you do culture, but what do you do on values? And mm. for me, it's like- your culture's formed, you know, your values. Should, should be. Your values should <laughs> yeah, be. Should but it's be really interesting. That, so I think for me it's kind of interesting because when you are working on culture, one of the first things that you're doing is looking at who we are, what we stand for, what are our values, what are the standards that we believe in, that we hold to be true. Right. And so when a CEO is faced with a choice that, compromises their ability to support that standard, I think that's when it bites. And in some instances, the CEOs, you know, I talk to them, okay, well, what got in the way? Why didn't you act earlier? Like what mm. at what point now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. But at what point could you have gotten earlier and why didn't you? And and some of them they were saying, well, it was really difficult because this person was a really high performer. And when I say high performer, I mean leaps and bounds completely in a league of their own. And so as a CEO that's looking for results, it's very difficult Uh, to give that up, right? The other reason might be because I knew them personally. You know, Mm. we grew up, we Mm. came into the organisation together. Right. And it was a personally difficult decision for me to take. Mm. Or it could be... The reason I didn't do it is earlier in the journey, I thought it was important, but I don't believe in the importance of culture in the way that I believe it now, Mm. you know, and just how strong you have to be. And sometimes it's because they didn't realize how much damage was being done. Sometimes they don't see it. Yeah. from They don't see it. Mm. And I think sometimes if, you know, and so some signs for leaders to look for if they've got a kind of a heckler in the the cheap sheet, so, you know, the bleachers or you've got somebody who's white anting. So some of the signs to look for are 
someone who pays lip service to the values, but when it comes to implementing something relating to culture, values or standards, they're slow Mm. to deliver if they deliver Mm -hmm. at all. That's an indication where the action doesn't meet the commitment, the rhetoric. Uh And so that should be something that causes you to ask a question around that. So that's interesting because when you first brought this up, I kind of pictured in my head the person who's like, this is a load of garbage. Yeah. You know, like whatever, I'm out here kicking goals and taking names and all that kind of stuff, which I guess it could be. It could be, definitely. equally what you're saying is it's also the like person who's paying lip service but not following through. So like, Yeah, it's a bit more passive aggressive. Kind of passive aggressive, yeah. And I think sometimes it's much easier to deal with somebody who's very overt about their opposition. At least you can have the conversation. Yeah, you can have the conversation and you can be very direct. You know, what's more difficult is other people who are indirect and covert about it. So they're telling you one thing but they're actually deliberately doing something else. So they'll tell you, yep, it's all under control. The team's really excited about it. They're on it. Mm. And then you say to your team member, Jan, oh, look, I know that this is really important. Don't worry about it. I'll massage our way through it. Mm. Okay, so, so what is being or the lack of delivery given the rhetoric is a sign that there's something right. worth investigating there. The other thing to look at, you know, there's a collection, none of them in and of them their own are, would be a reason to, to move somebody out. So it's really looking for a pattern. Right, a cluster. A cluster pattern of commitment. Mm. The other mm. thing is the people in their team find out information about the organisation and culture and leadership from other people. They don't find it out from their leader. That's right. always another telltale sign. Right, right, right. So some other telltale signs would be where the language that they use around it. So phrase might be like you started it, you know, oh, I know this is really, you know, I know this sort of matters, but really we're here to deliver this. This isn't the business. This like, isn't the real business, you yeah. know, like I know that matters, but just let HR take care of it, you know, or we really need to, you know, yeah, we definitely need to look at the warm and fluffy. Okay, warm and fluffy, warm and fuzzy. These are all terms that speak to, I don't really actually think that this is important. They're derogatory terms in this instance. And they're a definite hint (laughs) that this person is not aligned, hasn't bought into it. Well, it's interesting. You know, when I hear that, it's like, hmm, like, you know, we obviously haven't done a good enough job then to connect them to how this impacts on performance. Culture, you know, like because it's it's anything but warm and fluffy, you know. Yeah, and so I think the first thing that's that's exactly right, you Um, know. (laughs) But the first thing that you do is to check whether you have done a good job of explaining why. Yes. Okay. So true. Giving them the benefit of the doubt, and so the first thing that you do is try and check into where they're at and whether they really understand and appreciate the why. What have I? What have I missed? You know, that might be an interesting conversation with them. Be like. What did I miss or what didn't I do yeah. well? Because it seems like it hasn't really landed for you why this is important to exactly. me. Exactly. And that's a great way of doing it, Dom. You know, like you're not saying, I need you to do this. You're sort of saying, help me understand when I hear you say warm and fluffy, I get the impression that you don't see it as being really important. So help me understand what have I missed here? What have what, have what I, could I have said? Exactly. That, you know, meant that it could have landed with you better. 
So I think initially it's not an accusation, it's really an exploration. You're curious about, mm-hmm. you know, help me understand where your head's at, you know, and, and, and what it is about that. You want an honest conversation. Well, you're, and so, you're taking ownership and you're expressing that it's important at the same time. It's like, hey, you know, this is important to me, but obviously mm-hmm. there's something I have done or haven't done that ha- yep. has not got that across, so what can yep. I do? Or it's important to us. But, you know, there's, there seems to be a disconnect between mm. us on this. Mm. So mm. this is a conversation we need to have and help me understand where you're coming from. Okay. So I think that's the thing is seek to understand because sometimes there might be a really good reason for why they feel that way and it could be something that's missing in right. they might the be right. program or sure. our approach. They might totally. be right. And, you know, sometimes resistance is a form of adaptation. So I sound like I'm blocking, but I'm actually trying to get my head around it. I'm not really at a values level at cross purposes. So I think seek, you know, seek to understand first. But I think what needs to happen is that the CEO has to be really clear and unambiguous about the importance of these behavioral standards. Because I think if, you know, from an employee point of view, and sometimes, you know, often when we start working with clients, well, I say sort of often, there's a, we're working on culture because we're trying to build or rectify. There's an issue that we're trying to solve. It's not all the time that we work on culture. Sometimes but, it's helping an organized reposition, mm-hmm. but often that's the case. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to be your people in a situation where you're working on culture because you have to shift the business. You've got to create, you know, the business is being disrupted. You have to restructure, you have to turn it around. Any of the reasons that are really about trying to solve an issue, then people don't just jump on the bad wagon. They have to believe that you're serious about it. Mm. And so from an employee point of view, you have to really get their goodwill and their minds to open. So if you stand up in front of people and say, we're going to do this, this is why, because, and this is true, they're going mm. to be looking for evidence. Right. And leaders are tested all the time once you begin in all sorts of little ways. You know, people are listening for what you speak about. People are watching your behaviour. Are you walking the talk kind of stuff? Are you walking the right. talk? What are you paying attention to? How do you react to things? If somebody behaves badly, if we say that we want leaders to be constructive, but we see someone who in a team meeting is openly aggressive and dismisses someone, do you as a leader call them up on that or do you let it go? You know, And so your people are constantly watching you. And so if you have a high performer who's perf- performing well but behaving badly and they're doing it at cost to others but they're allowed to continue with it, then what employees see is you are, as a leader, tolerating the intolerable. Mm. And it's a real death knell for your credibility, I'm afraid. Well, definitely the, you know, it's one thing to say it, and that's awesome. We should say, you know, hey, we're focusing on this. This is what matters to us. But obviously, if we don't back that up with any, you know, with meaningful action, then credibility drops off really quick, right? Yeah. And and people are even more heightened, you know, because once you make a public announcement, it's like, okay. Yes. Show us, you know, it's the show me yeah, state. Yeah. Especially if the if you you know you've got some employees who are a bit skeptical, so they're going to be looking for 
for evidence of serious commitment. You know, a tricky bit about that maybe is sometimes, you know, as the CEO, I'm coaching that person. You know, I'm having conversations with that person, just not publicly. Yeah. But we're talking one on one, you know, and we're having pretty frank, you know, discussions and stuff like that. But I don't want to, it's not about, you know, a public, you know, flogging or whatever, you know. And so sometimes people are like, nothing's happening. And actually it is. They just can't see it necessarily, you know. So I think that is difficult. And, but what I would also say though, in the organization where that's happening, it usually leads to a resolution of some sort. And there are other things in the organization that are carrying the appropriate culture sort of message. I think this is a problem in organizations where we've said everything. It's happening in pockets, but there's this underlying, it's almost like the thorn in the side that just doesn't go away. And it's this lack of resolution, Uh visible or otherwise. Uh People, I don't think, are looking for this public information. I think what they're looking for is evidence of change. Uh And if they don't see any kind of change at all, and we're talking six, nine months, 12 months, that's something else. Yes. And so it can be pointing out that change too Mm. as it occurs. Mm. Really interesting, Corinne. You know, I, I guess coming into this, I was thinking, you know, of the obvious like barrier, you know, like I'm not on board, this is all rubbish, yeah. you know, whatever. You're right that at least you can address that, you know, like yeah. we can talk about that and, and hey, like let's have a conversation and if they're really not on board, then at least that's on the table and they may choose to walk themselves, Yeah, you know. But you're right that actually much harder is the kind of, oh, no, I'm on board, Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not and really think, on you know, board. That's hard to deal with. It is very hard to deal with and part of the job there for the CEO is to let the person know that you'd much rather have an open conversation about it because you've got to try and make them safe for them, to Mm, be honest, mm, mm. you know. But that can be difficult if the person's more invested in looking good than actually, you know, and and saying what if the way that they've learnt to succeed in life is to tell you what I think you want to hear, you know, then it may be that you don't get the whole picture. But I think that's that's a good place to start with CEOs to be curious around what do you think about this? And I'm really interested mm. in understanding and learning. I think at that early stage where it's kind of difficult, you've got to seek to understand, to clarify and to help align on the, you know, the same position. I think it, you know, and then it escalates a little bit. So you've had that conversation, but the behavior doesn't change. They're still talking out and, you know, saying things that are counter to the values. Then that brings it up another level. You know, they're not sort of walking the talk and they're not delivering the things that you've asked. You know, that brings it up to another level. Uh So I don't think it happens in one fell swoop. It happens, you know, in these cases sort of over time. Yes, and uh, yeah, it's a combination of things over, an accumulation of things perhaps over time. You know, how fascinating, you know, like thanks for sharing that with us, Corinna. You know, I'm fascinated that all the CEOs said the same thing, you know, isn't that interesting because that's not a coincidence. And I think the other thing is the CEOs that we interviewed are typically the ones where the organisation has been through a transformation. They were successful. And Mm. they were successful. Mm. The other thing that I would say when I observe the CEOs that I work with, it starts off sometimes with the CEO just looking for a solution to a problem. 
Mm. And that that solution is the culture work right. that we do. So it's an intellectual, irrational engagement. Exercise. Mm-hmm. But once they start to go through their own personal change, whether it's through LSI or for an impact tool, and they start to internally realise what's actually on offer for them if they want to develop themselves, then I think what happens is their belief structure starts to change and Mm. they start to value this. And so by the end of it, they're not just doing it because it's a good tool for their toolbox. Mm. They're not doing it because it's a good answer for the time. They're doing it because personally they believe it ethically, you know, that they've taken it on as part of the fabric of who they are. So I think, you know, those are the leaders that we've spoken to where they've been able to create transformation, sustain transformation and and do it again in other organisations. So interestingly, I'm taking two things out. One is, you know, if people choose to not get on board, they don't want to get on board, we give them a chance. We want to learn, let them learn, grow and develop, but they still don't want to. Then we've got to manage them out, you know, and it seems to be CEOs who are successful saying the sooner kind of the better on that. But also what I heard at the end there was, CEOs who are personally invested, you know, so it's almost at a philosophical level that they actually really are aligned and agree with it. That's when they really hit their straps and and make the stuff happen. Yeah. Because they're personally aligned. That's right. And, you know, we know that when the CEO and the individual senior leaders are personally in line, they're invested in it. Mm. Magic happens. Yeah. That's (laughs) when we can really move. Awesome. Thanks so much for that, Corinne, on giving us an insight into, you know, what CEOs regret and what they would do differently if they had, you know, another opportunity. Fascinating as always. Great. Thank you, Dom. See you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.